Hello, Michelle Laurie here. It's no secret that Australia's property market is out of control these days, but I, for one, can't seem to stop following along. I've become a bit obsessed with it, to be honest. What's up, what's down, and who on earth is paying those prices for those houses? So I want to personally recommend a podcast for you. It's called Real Property. It'll keep you across the latest information on the Australian property market in a clear and easy-to-digest way. Real Property, building a community of more informed property buyers. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. I was writing a, a novel and it was going to be about someone who went missing in Tassie, so I thought, oh, I'll research it. Mm-hmm. And so I researched it and then I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Type thing and then and you're like, how can the police possibly try and say that these are not connected? Two young female tourists are staying in the same quiet spot in Tasmania. One disappears, never to be seen again. And two years later, the other woman is brutally murdered. The women are 26-year-old German Nancy Grunwald, reported missing on April 15, 1993. Getting around on her bike, she was spending time at Beaumaris Beach, reading a book, what happened after that is a mystery, so far. Nancy's never been found, but she was declared deceased by the coroner in 2003. Italian woman Victoria Cafaso, who was 20, was found dead on 11 October 1995 on the same beach. She'd been stabbed numerous times and had been beaten Victoria was staying in the tiny hamlet of Beaumaris with her cousin and had been there less than a week. Tasmanian journalist and author Melanie Calvert 
was on a trip back to her home state not long after Victoria's murder. It's haunted her ever since, and she spent years researching and wrote a book, Tasmania's Beaumaris Beach Mystery, What Happened to Nancy and Victoria? There's been suspects for Victoria's murder, and could it be coincidence that Nancy disappeared from the same place too? The initial police investigation into Victoria's murder has come under scrutiny too. Would we do it differently if, we, if it happened again? Certainly, can. We've, we've come a long way in 25 years. Here's Melanie Calvert to tell us more. Can you tell us about Bo Morris? Well, it sort of is like a wilderness version of a beach type thing. Like it's a very long beach, it's very windswept at times, obscured by these large sandbanks and twisted trees and so forth. It's got a small town there though, hasn't it? It's like a small community. Yeah, yeah, the little Bomaris town, yeah. What sort of people are attracted to it? It sounds like a utopia to me. It sounds like an incredibly beautiful place. Is it one of those places that attracts, you know, interesting people who want to drop out and live in a wilderness kind of place? It's probably more likely just local fisher people, stuff like that. But yeah, it's been a tidy town and stuff. You know, a very beautiful little, well-kept little area. Obviously, the population increases a lot over summer, but otherwise it's a a fairly small town. I went there when I was researching this, and obviously it's going to feel spooky when you've, like, read about the history and so forth, but I really did get a sense of something quite disturbing and odd and unsettling about it. And it was probably part of the 1990s. I mean, Australians have backpacked for forever, but the 1990s, when obviously it intersects with the time of the backpacker murders, it's very exotic Australia to British people or Europeans. And, well, it was and, the end of the trail, wasn't it? It yeah. was people leaving Europe, coming down through Asia and ending up in Australia. And as we've discussed before, that was the startling, shocking thing about the Ivor Malat murders was that people talked about their families being relieved when they got to Australia. They were so yeah, concerned yeah. when they were in Asia and other parts of Europe. And then they breathed the sigh of relief when they got yeah. to Australia. Yes, yeah. and particularly Tassie. Tassie, yeah. you know. I mean, that's when people have asked, why have you written this? I'm like, because Tasmanians feel personally responsible. Like, we're like, how did this happen? How did we let this happen? Especially as it's unsolved. Yeah. I came to the story through this terrible murder that happened on the beach. And then only through that, did I, I, I then I noticed a comment, oh, and by the way, yeah. a lady also went missing at the same beach. And I was like, what do you mean by the way? Because yeah, they yeah. didn't. Yeah. They they really seem to try, when I say they, I mean the police, yes. really tried to distance the two yes. right stories yes. and yes. tried very hard to say, no, there's no correlation whatsoever. We don't believe there's any yes. correlation, which I find bizarre. And I guess what, two years, so from 1993 to 1995, was Nancy just still presumed, oh, she's got gone off? I mean, Well, there's yeah. two young tourists, yeah. two young women who are tourists in the town, yeah. One's disappeared, one's been murdered from the same spot. It's very strange, a small... This tiny town that we've been describing. So when did you hear about Nancy or did you know about that already? I was writing a a novel and it was going to be about someone who went missing in Tassie. So I thought, oh, I'll research it. Mm -hmm. And so I researched it and then I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Type thing. And then you're like, how can the police possibly try and say that these are not connected? So I... Basically brought all the information together and I showed it to my dad who used to be a policeman in northeast Tasmania and he said, I didn't know all of this. And I said, well, if you don't know all of this, 
probably nobody knows all of this no. and, and we should probably get it out there so people can have a look in case some people are going to go, oh, yeah, now I recall something or that person was acting strangely or I'm going to look, go and look in the shed and see if there's a bike in there. Oh, my God. This yeah, is oh, it. that's so right, because Nancy had a bike. She yeah. was riding her bike. Last sighting, known sighting of her was riding her bike. She left the hostel on her bicycle and rode south through Bo Morris and then it's believed she stopped for a walk on the beach. Yeah, she was seen on the beach reading a book. So the bike's never been found either? No. Wow. What actually happened was um, because she was sort of just on her own, she'd been at the hostel, she was going through to Hobart to meet a pen pal and then she was going on to Adelaide. I think she was going to meet a minister of religion there. She was quite religious. When she didn't turn up in Hobart to see the pen pal, the pen pal just went, oh, she must have just decided not to drop in. It was actually six weeks until the the South Australia guy thought, well, she was meant to turn up and contacted the Tassie police. So six weeks lost. And by then when they said, oh, has anyone, you know, seen this girl on a bike? Well, of course there was girls on bikes everywhere. Was there much emphasis on her case over the next years until Victoria's murder? You know, I think there were missing person posters and the like, but of course there were lots of people ring up and saying, oh, we think we saw her here or there, like all these different places all over Tassie. So that was distracting. But there wasn't a lot to go on. They just had that last sighting of her was um, just outside Scamander by the two girls who she'd been, stayed in the hostel with the night before. So that's the last sighting of her. I'm fascinated by that bike. That is a really large thing to hide or to, you know, get rid of. Or Was it like a kind of mountain bike or a particular type of bike? Yeah, it was red and it's oh. a Road Chief Marauder mountain bike. So it was rented. But she also had a white bicycle helmet. She had her glasses, her diary, a camera. So you've got to think they're in someone's shed. Mm. And and whoever she rented it from is like, where's my bike? Probably. Yeah, so when are they? Like it's a rental really company. Is. Yeah, where's my bike? Weird that they didn't raise the alarm earlier. Mind you, I'm fascinated too by the fact that her, in 1993, the backpacker murders, the bodies had been discovered in Belangelo. They were discovered in 92 or 93. A lot of German victims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm shocked, to be honest, surprised that it took her parents that long to report her missing. Six weeks? I mean, she was a seasoned traveller. She Mm. was a travel consultant. Yeah. Um, So she travelled all over the world. Independent woman. Yeah. Travelling. How old was Nancy? She was 26. Yeah, okay. So I guess her parents were probably used to not hearing from her for long periods of time. The coroner's findings were that Nancy Grunwald is deceased. She died in Tasmania. She died on or about Friday the 12th of March, the day that she went missing. She died between St Helens and Bichonneau, that's near the beach. It's like a beachy place, isn't it? And the coroner believes that foul play is involved in her disappearance in the form of homicide, but but has nominated no persons of interest. The coroner put forth a couple of scenarios. Scenario one, whilst travelling, she might have been struck by a passing motorist and fell from the side of the road out of view. You know, those roads have, I guess, the thick forest by the side and that's one scenario, but you'd think in all the searching that her remains would have been yeah. found, uh, that maybe uh, she was struck by a passing motorist and that that person could have disposed of her remains to cover it up. Scenario That's scenario two. Scenario three, that she may have met with foul play, the motive being sexual or personal gain. 
And scenario four, death by misadventure, example, falling down a mine shaft or drowning. With a bike. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah and scenario true. five, death by misadventure, her bicycle and possessions were found by a passerby and stolen. Well, would you even fit a whole bike and a body? Yeah, it, that, that's that's it. It's it's a really fascinating piece of missing evidence, isn't it? It's huge. Was it suggested that it could be more than one person involved, either in the killing or whatever happened to Nancy, but then afterwards? I mean, because I feel like you'd need a bit of help, right? Bob Code, who's the retired policeman, so he he thinks she was hit by a car. He thinks Nancy was hit by a car. Okay. He thinks that they then took her in the car and he's like, they? And I'm like, who is this person in the car with? Like I can't imagine it being his wife and kids. No. <laughs> type thing because that just doesn't work. But I, th- I think one person could lift a bike, I don't know, in their back seat and a body into the car. Or ride the bike and the other person drives the car maybe. I don't like know. Like we're adding a lot of, this is bananas on bananas, yeah, isn't it? Like, like we're adding yeah. a lot of fortunate we're being Jessica coincidences that you would have to have a car mm. that had the capacity to fit in a bike. Yeah. Plus you have to be have the physical strength to pick up a lady and her bike. Plus no one is passing by because that's going to take you a while. Yeah. As well to get her in and her bike in. No one's going to come past. And if it's more than one person in the car, that other person's not turned on you in 30 years. Could Nancy have been pushed out into the water? Plus, yeah, plus she was last seen on the beach. So she's got to get from there to this road. So she was seen on the beach and then she was seen out riding a bike by the two girls that she'd met the night before from the hostel. But I have had people say to me, what if they were mistaken and she hadn't left the beach? Did you have any interesting interviews or information from people who proposed what they think happened or police who have any alternative theories? Well, um, as I said, Bob Code, he... Was he at the time, like, a serving police officer? Yes, yes, he was. So, yes, um, he was on Nancy's case. So what he's using as evidence for his theory is that there was a phone call made to a Hobart lawyer saying, oh, my God, I have been involved in an accident on the East Coast and I really need advice from someone type oh. thing. But, of course, that sat around on the answer machine for quite a long time and they, of course, taped over it. Police are reviewing the investigation into the 1993 disappearance of German backpacker Nancy Grunwald. It follows claims by Bob Code, a former detective assigned to the case, that police overlooked a phone conversation from a driver who claimed he'd killed a cyclist on Tasmania's east coast around the time as Grunwald disappeared. Perhaps a lot more would have been done and could have been done in hindsight, but I'm not in the game to name and shame. I just want to see closure and that's it. It really was even after the, you know, Nancy, so it was six weeks where they weren't looking for Nancy and then even a couple of months after that, before that lawyer guy came forward to police with this story of his message that had already been taped over. So I don't put a lot of faith in it because I just feel like he's just recalling some garbled message. Yeah, I remember they, something about a, yeah, a message I'm remembering. Yeah, which you'd think they would either take the tape out or write it down with the yeah, date. Yeah, a lawyer but, would kind of yeah, do that. <laughs> right. But nothing was done for that. And then when they had a TV special where they talked about Nancy and somebody on a Brisbane number rang up and apparently were quite distressed and said, I was involved in the hit and run, we hit Nancy type thing. And so um, Bob is very convinced about that. 
And the third piece in his puzzle, I believe he has been contacted by a woman from Queensland who believes that her son was involved in the hit and run and the death of Nancy. So obviously he disagrees with the coroner or the coroner disagrees with him. So that's interesting. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Early yesterday afternoon, a woman walking her dog on this quiet roadside beach found the near-naked body of 20-year-old Victoria Cafasso, She'd been repeatedly stabbed. Everybody here around the neighbourhood is pointing at him, him or him or me or the boys and that, thinking they could be the murderers. We continue our episode with Melanie telling us about the murder of young Italian woman Victoria Cafaso, two years after the disappearance of Nancy Grundwald. I think her family, her father wanted her to go to uni, but Mm. she wanted to have a gap year type scenario. And so this was sort of her breaking away perhaps from the family a bit to gather her thoughts on her future. She'd only been in Tassie three days. She arrived to stay with her cousin and she'd gone both days before, I think, down onto the beach. They'd gone to what was described as a party, but like I've spoken to the woman whose house that was, she said Victoria and her cousin Simon dropped in and had a piece of cake because it was this lady's child's birthday. So she wasn't at a party, she just had a piece of birthday cake at someone's house. And so she went down onto the beach that day. Her cousin was working on his novel and um, so she went by herself and went down crossing a little bridge opposite the Surfside Motel and walked quite a long way down the beach and then stopped. Um, A lady saw her, walked past and walked back, and then the next person who found her, she was in the water, she'd been stabbed, her bather bottoms were gone and her bather top was pulled up. And, yeah, so this lady who's found her went and found some couple of local people. They came down, one of them stayed with the body and this lady and the other guy went off to call the police. It was a really, such a short period of time, wasn't it, in between yeah, when yeah. she was seen alive? Mm, yeah, yeah. And when, really. Uh, for, and, and for a very vicious attack. Yeah. I mean, at autopsy. Her teeth were not, I saw her yeah. teeth were knocked out, three teeth or something. 21 yes. stab wounds and massive injuries to her head, neck, arms, slashes, lacerations. Yeah, it was a very violent, yeah. fast attack. Yeah. Mm. And um, Victoria, she fought back. 
like she had the defence wounds and stuff. She put up a good fight. Did it take a little while for police to get there? Because I was doing a bit of reading and watching a few news articles and, and it said that the way that the scene was handled was not optimal when people came down, volunteers came down or interested people. Well, there were lots of people and... around the beach too. I read that the beach had been visited by at least 50 people. Yeah, in milling around yeah, in the area, yeah. tourists mm. and people. So it's hard to keep a crime scene. Especially a beach, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess clear, especially when no one there really knows to do that yet because yeah, the yeah. police haven't arrived. Of course, she was in the water. Yeah. So, of course, they've dragged her out of the water. Yeah. And, of course, then they've put a tarp and put over the body, which is interfered with Like DNA. a tarp from a fishing boat or something? Yes, or, yeah. just a generic yeah. tarp. And um, I think there was a, a footprint in the sand, which my dad said, because my dad is an ex-policeman, he said he would have put his police hat over it. But, of course, that didn't happen and it just got blown away. I think one of the, perhaps the lady who found her, said there was Victoria's footprints, someone else's footprints following her, and then footprints coming down from the sandbanks behind her. Following her down to the water, do you think? Is that what she was saying? Is well, that... I think uh, here in this disturbed spot, so that's where Victoria's been sitting on a beach tower. She's walked along, maybe someone's walked in here at the front, and then maybe someone's come in from the back. Like lurking behind the... Um... The sand, the sand dunes dunes. and the trees and the shrubbery. and Yeah, because she was first, it sounds like, struck with some sort of object, piece of wood, something, and then after that, stabbed. And locals really know those areas. Yeah, they yeah. notice things. They're very reliable witnesses, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It would be unusual to see a stranger, I think, yeah. you know, in the sort of off-season. I can imagine if something like this happens anywhere, but particularly in a small place, the rumour mill must have been going off. Yeah. Were there, was there anyone or were there people whose names came up a couple of times? You see in my book where I talk about three sort of suspicious characters, if it had been any one of those on their own, you would think, ah, that's the one who did it. Mm. But then you continue on and look at the next person and the next person and Mm. you go, yeah, they all look like viable suspects. And yet, were they interviewed by police, these three people? Oh, yes. There's a, a chap that I've called the fisherman in my book. He was also accused of various um, attempted rape and stalking charges both before and after and also some snowdropping type stuff, stealing people's Underwear. bathers from the beach and so forth or mm. off clotheslines and things like that. There was a photograph, photo seven, that the police had, which um, another girl had sort of had a few strange interactions with a chap with dark hair and quite slim built on the same Morris Beach, both before and after Victoria's murder, where she'd actually gone to the police and said, we'd go in the sand dunes, then my bay the bottoms were stolen type thing. And Another one, different guy. No, no, I think it's oh, just same. the same thing. Oh, <laughs> I see, I see. And, but women, so did a few women come forward saying, actually, hey, something this weird happened? before and after. There yeah, before and after. Uh, there was a lady who said that she was there that day and she got spooky vibes off a red car and then there'd been other people who'd reported stolen underwear. And then I think there was a somebody rang up and said, we've just found a stash of stolen underwear in the bush and they went and had a look but they couldn't cross-match them with either Nancy or Victoria. The doctor, who I talk about in the last chapter, he'd come out from Czech- Czechoslovakia 
and he'd been in Thailand with his wife and there'd been a domestic incident there and then he's come to Australia and worked as a doctor and just had this string of malpractice and really dodgy behaviour, drinking, swearing, nasty incidents during him being an obstetrician and a gynaecologist, for God's sake. And then he was in Tassie and then I think he was in New South Wales where he actually did get a whole heap of reports put in against him. And then he went to New Zealand and did a whole heap of um, sterilisations on women that were not done properly. Oh, my God. God. So he left the area after 1993? Yeah, he basically left directly after the murders and didn't even take all his stuff. Wow. That's that's what his ex-wife says. They came back to him a bit later after a domestic violence incident at his home Mm. and then his wife actually said he was there on the beach that same day, he had a collection of knives Mm. and then it turned out he'd hired a hire car for the 24 hours around Victoria's murder. The hire car report said there was an unusual amount of sand in the car Mm. and, yeah, apparently he went to Bomaris Beach, you know, quite regularly. So the three characters, and you obviously haven't named them because we know you've got to protect yourself, right? The fisherman, the doctor. Yeah. And who's the third? The third one is the biker. So he was actually good friends with the fisherman. Uh, He'd been a Vietnam vet. He had previously been shot in the head and had a brain injury. Uh, He was apparently a very strange character. Some people thought he was, you know, not very smart, but he was actually extremely clever. He'd been in Hobart the night before Victoria's murder and had some sort of an incident with a sex worker where she'd rejected him. He took her flowers and then she wouldn't take them, so he bought them back and gave them to this other guy's, his friend's wife. They could have worked together. Another theory I've talked about is if they weren't involved in Nancy's murder, if she was killed in a hit and run, but, you know, these two pretty dodgy characters, you know, history of domestic violence, animal abuse, so forth, you know, if they're sitting around and they're talking about Nancy's disappearance and they're going, look, here's a young girl, uh, tourist, no one even noticed she was missing for six weeks, you know, maybe this is something we could get away with. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I was thinking it could be entirely possible that Victoria's murder and Nancy's disappearance are entirely unrelated because I guess, yeah, if you if it was a hit and run, you're riding your bike, yeah, that happens. But it's just weird that it happened in the yeah, same area. Same and also place. you've got these three. Both outsiders. Three characters, suspects who are in each of their way really dodgy. And, like, that's intriguing to me too. Oh, absolutely. Like, like they, three in one little town. In that tiny town. It's, it sounds like a novel, doesn't that it? Is, that's not like in the suburbs where obviously yeah. there's thousands, tens of thousands of people and obviously you could have nefarious people around mm. you everywhere. Yeah. But this is, yeah, it's I just. I know. How does a tiny town like that harbour three such horrific individuals? They really are. So these people, these men, from what you've heard and what you've researched, and they are quite dangerous or. Well, two of them have got convictions, yeah. I think, that yeah. you've mentioned. Is that fair to say? I would say the biker does not have any convictions, no. um, but certainly within the coronial inquest, their partners or ex-partners certainly outlined Mm -hmm. domestic violence and animal cruelty instances. And then the fisherman has been up on the charges for um, stalking Mm. and also on attempted rape. 
And, yeah. And the doctor has... by Morris Beach. Yeah. Mm. And the doctor has... And the doctor has been... Looked at by the professional bodies, I'm yes, imagining. Yes, yes, yeah. And he's actually been... Uh, he can no longer practice medicine based on his practices. Thank mm. God. So how involved were her parents? Where was the pressure coming from? Well, they came out fairly soon on. I think her father was quite a, a powerful man. There was talk that there could have been mafia connections, which I found interesting. Yeah, they, they thought um, there was some rumour, I think, that perhaps it could be in some way involved with the mafia. I haven't seen anything to... It's kind of a bit far. I haven't seen any confirmation that. Of that sounds like racism to me. What, because he's Italian? Yeah, yeah. Because he's Italian and he's powerful and he's blown into this tiny town yeah. and gone, what the fuck are you doing about my daughter's murder? Yeah, what? Like, pick up your game. They're going, mm, well. It's a mafia. Uh, Victoria's dad was a criminal lawyer in Italy. So that would explain why, for whatever reason, you know, the how a rumour, I think, would make sense to some people that oh, maybe, maybe he's to do with the mafia and maybe they, they killed his daughter. I mean, I don't think it makes much sense. And I can see also if he's a criminal lawyer and a pr- pretty successful one, how he would storm into this town and take on the police and everybody else and be saying, what are you doing? What's going on? They came out, did they? They came they... out, but he was physically distraught. Like he of was, course. He just um, dropped to his knees on the beach. Oh. Where's Victoria's case gone? Obviously not nowhere really because they haven't solved it. But what about the locals? I mean, the locals... You know, have they lived with the sort of stigma of being thought of as, oh, that that bloke did it or oh, yeah, this did happened? It, did people start to think, don't go there for holidays? Don't, it's not safe for women? Strangely enough, I think they didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I think they've quite effectively glossed over it for the purposes of tourism. Yeah. And for the purposes of house prices and perhaps for the purposes of just the community itself type thing. But, yeah, it certainly worked for them to try and separate out and not look like you've got a serial killer who's living in the town. And particularly and after Victoria's terrible murder, and I've spoken to people who said that was a, a change in their, the way their life led. Yeah. So before the murder, they were going this way in their life. And after the murder, they chose another course. So like a whole community was impacted in that way. Where and they, they weren't even related to her or anything. It was just how no, it they impacted were just their townspeople, life. but just the the horror of it mm. just made them reassess their life and people tended to go off on a, a different course than they might have done before. If you were going to stay in the town and work there but now maybe you had an opportunity to go off and go to uni or people who were thinking about not following a career choice because they were not very confident and then they think, well, bloody oath, life is short. Yeah. I'm going to really embrace that and go and do this instead. Yeah. Like just that sort of a pivot in everybody's course of life. Well, and as I say, it's almost 30 years ago now. Yeah. I mean, have there been any other incidents? There haven't been any other murders. No. What happened after that? For that moment, it looked like there was very much a serial killer living in the tiny town. And then after that? The fishermen's had a 17-year-old charged him with stalking and he has had at least another stalking incident that I know of. I thought he moved away for a while but he is back in Tassie now. But in terms of what's happened since, like there's almost been more follow-up police work on Nancy because every now and then, um, like someone, say about 10 years ago, said that 
they remembered seeing a red bike at the Scamander tip. And so they went there and dug and Mm. found nothing. And then just recently again, they've been out in the bush looking for Nancy after a tip off, but once again, finding nothing. Yeah, I guess because it's an ongoing missing persons case. Do you think they'll be solved? I mean, do you think they're solvable? And how close do you think the police are really to either of them? I think it'll be uh, more likely from the community and I think it'll be somebody finding something. Um, There's still quite a few objects belonging to both Victoria and Nancy that could turn up anywhere at any time. Also, there's a lot of criticism of the police in general around their investigation of this. Obviously, they did a bit of... Uh, stuff there at the beginning that could have been done better. I mean, they didn't have a lot of experience in um, mm. suddenly finding a woman in a small town who... No, but they did have experience they in, did have, in, yeah. in young women. Uh, well, something happening to yes. young women in their town. However, from his perspective, he's thinking, no, it's completely different. Last time she was hit by a car yeah. and then someone yeah, yeah. hid her remains. This is very, very different. In terms of um, Victoria's case, the police were very interested in her cousin they sort of went to that scenario of, well, who's she here with type thing mm. and sort of fixated on him, I think, to the point where they perhaps didn't follow up other leads. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? They fixate on, on, which I get it, you've got to rule out people. But also but as we've talked to other in. police in small communities, like they would know these at least two of these men that you're talking about well mm. and their families well and... They were certainly known of by the police. Absolutely. But also I'm assuming um, even if these guys are problematic in the town, I'm assuming they would have family in the town and police are just people, like they are members of the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's difficult socially and for all those reasons you'd prefer it be the cousin, Yeah. to be honest. Because it can be, you know, you'd people are scared to a, talk. You'd prefer it be a bloke you don't know. Yep. Or it's an e- it's a kind of an easy wrap up. Or yeah, so. you prefer oh, right, yeah. be it an yeah. outsider, you know, for many many reasons. I would well, think. You think people in the community know? I think partners something? might know. Yeah, and brothers might know. Mm. My ex policeman dad would say someone always tells at least one person. Yes, yeah, we've heard that yeah. one from coppers too. Definitely. Yeah, so based on that. And otherwise the advances in DNA because there is DNA material on Victoria's bathers. Oh, they did get some? Yeah. Wow, that's but, amazing but, after but all that. sort of not enough and not good enough quality for yeah. the technology that we have now. Yet, yeah. But that will improve, won't it? Yeah, always improving. Yeah. And the three men that are mentioned in your book, how old would they have each been at the time and are they all living? They are living. Because they say yeah. when um when a cold case, so to speak, is hitting near forty years, that it becomes thirty years is a really important time because maybe people have, you know, divorced, separated, mm. changed allegiances, people have died or whatever. Thirty years is a good shot. Mm-hmm. Forty, it makes it really hard. It's okay. just getting harder and harder to solve something because people get older, yeah. unless they were quite young at the time. Mm. So let me do some maths. Yeah. When when Nancy went missing. The fisherman was 29 and the biker was seven years older than that, so 36. Mm. And then another two years for Victoria. Yeah, and the doctor, how old was the doctor or is the doctor? 
Well, he'd be older, much older, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I guess if yeah, if he's had a lot of experience. Yeah, he was a medical student in 1976. Wow. He is apparently a homeless person in Sydney, although I have heard recently from the wow. newspaper in Launceston that he's returned to Tasmania. As I drove here in the car today, I reread my own book. <laughs> so this is like 10 years down the track and I found it really terrible and, and really sad and I'm partway horrified that 10 years ago I was so foolhardy. What do you mean? <laughs> well, because I, I think that me 10 years ago was either braver or maybe it's now because I have my own children getting to be sort of about that sort of mm. young adult age. It really affected me. Mm. More than when I feel like when I wrote it, oh, like really? it really, um, it was like reading a different, a whole different book. Thanks to Melanie Calvert for joining us. Melanie's book is Tasmania's Beaumaris Beach Mystery: What Happened to Nancy and Victoria, and it's available online. There's details in the show notes for this episode. If you have any information to share with police, phone Crime Stoppers on 1800 333000 or go to crimestopperstas.com.au. As always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.